0: Yo this is the ancient Texan. Um, glad you're here. I do these podcasts probably mostly for my own good trying to learn and grow. And I hope a few of it a few of you uh, get help by listening or just enjoy. That's okay Tim. We're doing chapter 12, Growing Up, out of a book called When Things Fall Apart by Pima Kadran. And it's about the Buddha thinking and the Buddha way of life. I don't know if this will help you if you don't start back at the beginning, but it might. Who knows? Chapter 12 Growing Up From the the very beginning to the very end, pointing to our own hearts to discover what is true isn't just a matter of honesty, but also of compassion and respect for what we see. Pointing directly at your heart, you will find Buddha. Listening to talks about the Dharma or the teachings of Buddha or practicing meditation is nothing other than studying ourselves. The reason we are in this world at all is to study ourselves. Oh, I'm not sure I believe that. I think I would say that studying ourselves is one of the most beneficial things we could do, but I think you ought to give this idea a little, a um, little room to grow because there's more to it than uh, meets the eye. All the wisdom about how we cause ourselves to suffer and all the wisdom about how joyful and vast and uncomplicated our minds are. These two things, the understanding of what we might call neurosis and the wisdom of unconditioned, unbiased truth, can only be found in our own experience. Everything comes through you. Your whole view of the world Comes through yourself and what you see and perceive and so only by unconditionally looking at yourself, your wisdom, your joys, your shortcomings, your suffering, your life experiences can you understand the world? Bodhidharma Pardon my pronunciation, brought Zen Buddhism from India to China. He was well known for being fierce and uncompromising. There's a story about how he kept nodding off during meditation, so he cut off his eyelids. When he threw them on the ground, they turned into into a tea plant, and then he realized that he could simply drink the tea to stay awake. I'm not quite sure what this story means, except that there's many ways to, you know, get at the truth and make an improvement. And you maybe can find a kinder way to learn something uh, if you try. His big discovery was that by looking directly into our own heart, we find the awakened Buddha, the completely unclouded experience of how things really are. Reality has to come through you. Unclouded experience has to come through a mind that's unclouded um, That's objective that's awake In all kinds of situations we can find out what is true simply by studying ourselves in every nook and cranny in every black hole and bright spot whether it's murky creepy grisly, splendid spooky frightening, joyful, inspiring, peaceful, or wrathful. Understanding what's behind your emotions and your feelings and your thoughts um, is a great wisdom, and it applies not only to you, but to all the people you're looking at. However, when we sit down to meditate and take an honest look at our own at our minds, there is a tendency for it to become a rather morbid and depressing project. We can lose all sense of humor and sit with a grim determination to get to the bottom of the stinking mess. After a while, when people haven't been practicing that way, they begin to feel so much guilt and distress that they just break down, They, they might say to someone they trust. Where's the joy in all this? There's a phrase in the Bible, Solomon, King Solomon, where he says, in much wisdom there is much grief. I think the first, as you first begin to be aware of of life and how you fit into it and humanity and what it means to be alive, it's actually a little depressing because we're kind of messed up, most of us. And in that being messed up, we cause ourselves a lot of suffering. So there is a tendency to just say, you know, what the hell is this? Why am I doing this? What's this introspection leading to, except an awareness of how many shortcomings that I have? So, along with clear seeing, there's another important element, and that's kindness. It seems that without clarity and honesty, we don't progress. We just stay stuck in the same vicious cycle. But honesty without kindness makes us feel grim and mean. And pretty soon we start looking like we've been sucking on lemons. We become so caught up in introspection that we lose any contentment or gratitude we might have the sense of being irritated by ourselves and our lives and other people's idiosyncrasies becomes overwhelming that's why there's so much emphasis on kindness gotta take everything with a little bit of a smile a little bit of a well that's where i am today i got it Um, I'm an old dude. I still do things that I can't believe I did. And I have reactions uh, that are not the person I want to be. But I think I'm getting better and I think the people around me can see that. Discipline is important. Do we meditate because we should? Do we do it to become good Buddhists to please our teacher? Ah, the O should card. Is that why you meditate? How we regard that which arises in meditation is training for how we regard what arises in the rest of our lives. When you're meditating and thoughts float by and feelings, how you handle and do that Deal with each of those that come by. If you can do it with graciousness and maybe a little detachment and a lot of kindness, um, and just accept what comes by and then go back to whatever you're focusing on, whatever your mission is in that meditation. Um, That's training for life. So the challenge is how to develop compassion right along with clear seeing. How to train enlightening up and cheering up rather than becoming more guilt-ridden and miserable. Honesty without kindness, humor, and good-heartedness can just be mean. From the very beginning to the very end, pointing to our own hearts to discover what is true isn't just a matter of honesty, but of compassion and respect for what we see. Learning how to be kind to ourselves, learning how to respect ourselves is important. The reason it's important is that fundamentally when we look into our own hearts, and begin to discover what is confused, what is brilliant, what is bitter, what is sweet. It isn't just ourselves we are discovering. We are discovering the universe. When we discover the Buddha that we are, we realize that everything and everyone is Buddha. We discover everything is awake and everyone is awake. Everything is equally precious and whole and good, and everyone is equally precious and whole and good. When we regard thoughts and emotion with openness, with humor and openness, that's how we perceive the universe. We're not just talking about the individual liberation, but how to help the community we live in, how to help our families, our country, the whole continent. Not to mention the world and the galaxy as far as we want to go. Um, I'm going to throw in a little story here. I've been having a... uh, kind of developing a Facebook relationship with a guy that uh, is very much in the Trump camp. He's a Trumpite. And I kind of did it because I think I should. I should learn how to get another point of view... I need to learn how to handle myself, how to be kind, uh, how to treat him as a human, how to see him as a human. But to be honest, uh, it wasn't going well. And I was going through the, you know, short, I, I realized I couldn't have a conversation without becoming, you know, kind of looking down my nose. So I switched over to questions. Whenever he would tell me about something, I'd ask him questions about it and I would try to kind of dig in, kind of with the goal, though, still of, you know, doing leading questions and showing him how brilliant I am and showing him the error of his ways. And in one of those discussions, we started talking about homeless, and he seemed to be particularly um, angry about homeless people and very judgmental and righteous. And I made a comment that, you know, most homeless people are a lot of them are, you know, mentally ill and you know we need compassion is on them. Um, and then he made a comment about my son was homeless. And he made about they he lived in he was he was filthy. And then I made a comment that no, he's not filthy. Um, he was living in filthy conditions. And I said, that's important. And he said, you're right. And then, wow, well, it chokes me up, but he broke down and sent me a very long, it could have been a letter in the middle of a texting about his son at 50 years of age, and he's an old dude like me. uh, Had diabetes and was homeless, and how brilliant he was as a child and how he had so much potential. You know, he was talking, about his child, just like I talk about mine. Well, his son died, you know, I picture under a bridge being homeless and filthy conditions. And he said, I tried everything to get him out of that. sudden I saw this guy as a person as a real flesh and blood person and you know I don't know his journey to where he believes in Trump um, but it's founded on his life experiences and how he's seen the world and the education that he's had and From you know, not just formal, but just just from life, and he's come up with you know an attitude. He likes the disruption that Trump causes, and he's part of the people that feel a lot of pain. I'm not sure he would say that from our current society, and that. When you're kind of from in that spot Throwing a guy like Trump into the middle of the system Hoping he'll wreck it um, Might be A reasonable thought Anyway We we haven't been interacting much since that happened I imagine maybe that he's kind of embarrassed by how he opened up Um, And it definitely touched me and I definitely, you know, can look at this, what I'm reading here from Buddha and saying, you know, seeing him was seeing me. And who would have thought that? Then the other day, this extended, I started talking to my doctor that's given me a shot in my knees at artificial cartilage. And we started talking, and he's a... He's a conservative. He doesn't think too highly of of Trump, but he's a very conservative Republican type person that thinks you know Trump had a lot of potential and he had a lot of hopes for him, and you know it hadn't worked out that way. And but he his view of a lot of the uh, pandemic and stuff. I heard some of those same things that my Other Republican friend um, says and this time they had more credibility because I'm talking with a medical doctor and uh, some of his views of things which is a whole another subject but all of a sudden you know how busy it is with doctors and you run in and you get five minutes he sat and talked with me for an hour and let I'm (laughs) sure the rest of his patients weren't Thrilled to death, but the waiting room was fairly empty. It was right at lunchtime, so you know maybe he missed his lunch. But he sat and talked to me about an hour of the about the state of things, and I mostly asked questions. And a lot of my experience with the other friends, and I didn't push my view viewpoint. I just tried to understand his, and he made some good points. And I got to let it s- kind of settle in. Um, and he's more toward the center, and I'm kind of more toward the center, Democratic. Um, but we we found a lot of common ground, and I certainly understood from him talking why he thinks like he does. And I think it's you know this learning to see ourselves and seeing what makes us tick, and if we can look at the other person is beautiful and um precious and whole and good like we've just been saying um it offers a lot of hope that you know we can heal the world but it it you can't wait till they say the good the brilliant thing or make sense or get out of their defensive posture Um, and you can't go into your defensive posture your sermon and hope to change the world. You've got to let yourself get to know people and build some respect and relationship. Uh, And then at some point, perhaps they'll ask you what you think about something. But if you want to be the one changing the world, I think it has to start with listening and thinking and actually feeling that the person in front of you is valuable and important, even when they disagree with you. Even when their story of the world is different than your story of the world. Anyway, that's my little two cents on how this applies to the degree that we, to the degree that there is bravery in ourselves, the willingness to look, to point directly at our own hearts, and to to the degree that there is kindness toward ourselves. There is confidence that we can actually forget ourselves and open to the world. And I think that happened to me in those two occasions. We can forget ourselves and be open to the world. The only reason we don't open up our hearts and minds to other people is that they trigger confusion in us, that we don't feel brave enough or sane enough to deal with. To the degree we look clearly and compassionately at ourselves, we feel confident and fearless about looking into someone else's eyes. I think we go to defensive mode and to the sermon mode quickly because it makes us feel uncomfortable. Uh, I'm not sure it's as much confusion and lack of bravery. It's some kind of fear reaction, the way that we often respond when someone says something strongly from a different point of view and maybe aggressively that we can't stay calm. Uh, I have a daughter-in-law that kind of triggers that in me and she's my greatest lesson I've got to learn from that because I, me and her get in some, the last time we are together a few years ago Got in some terrible argument that was not good for anybody, and I have to learn. And you got to start with yourself. You can't expect the rest of the world to, you know, cater to your growth. You've got to learn from each situation and, you know, resolve and do the work to where you can just sit back and listen and get to know them and have the patience for it to come to where it's a mutual benefit for both parties. In fact, it's a benefit for you if you can learn to just see someone and see what's going on inside of them. See not so much their words and their logic and their anger, but see the person and the fears and the suffering behind that. Um, Anyway, that's our, our goal. The more we relate with others, the more quickly we discover where we are blocked, where we are unkind, afraid, shut down. The more we relate to others, the more quickly we discover where we are blocked, where we are unkind, afraid, shut down. Seeing this is helpful, but it's also painful. Often the only way we know how to react is to use it as ammunition against ourselves. We aren't kind. We aren't honest. We aren't brave. And we might as well give up right now. But when we apply the instruction to be soft and non-judgmental to whatever we we see right at that very moment, then this embarrassing reflection in the mirror becomes our friend. Seeing someone else and being judgmental, uh, you just... You can't be one thing one time and one time something else. When you're judgmental to others, you become judgmental to yourself. But where are you, Whatever you're doing right now, you have to do it in a soft and unjudgmental way if you want to make progress. Seeing that reflection becomes motivation to soften further and lighten up more because we know it's the only way we can continue to work with others and be of any benefit to the world. You got to get rid of the harshness, the judgment, the unkindness. You have to be soft and gentle even when someone else is being aggressive. And you can't just fake it. Faking it doesn't work. It still comes out of your mouth. You have to understand that they're another human and they're going through the same suffering and that they're on a journey and they developed a story from, from their journey. And you wouldn't have got exactly the same story if you were on their journey, but it wouldn't be the story you have now. It'd be a story probably closer to their story. That's the beginning of growing up. As long as we don't want to be honest and kind with ourselves, then we are always going to be infants. When we begin just to try to accept ourselves, the ancient burden of self-importance lightens up considerably. Finally, there's room for genuine inquisitiveness, and we find we have an appetite for what's out there. The ancient burden of self-importance. That's why we think about what we're going to say when someone else is talking. We want to be important. We want to say something wise. We want them to think we're smart. We want to win an argument. But all of that has nothing to do with anything. Uh, If you're trying to make the world a better place and you're trying to make yourself a better person... um, It's all about treating yourself and other people well, without judgment, and with acceptance, and love, and kindness, uh, if you wanna change the world. Winning an argument, very seldom, in fact, I would say pretty close to never, changes anyone. Uh, They go home, lick their wounds, work on their argument, and occasionally, you know, you get a logical person and he'll change his argument, but uh, refine his argument is more likely. But that's not really, you know, touching each other and, and the world is not won by debates. Um, I listened to AOC talking about how she had been insulted by uh, Republican. And of course I I like her and I was on her side although she did sound a little self-righteous. And then that you know YouTube rolls over to the next tape and all of a sudden it was a Republican talking and he was being interviewed. He had a completely different story. Now I'm still biased toward AOC cuz that's her story's closer to mine. But I have to admit that I couldn't quite see her story the same way after I listened to his. After I saw him as a real person, my story was not, my judgment against him was not nearly so harsh. And, you know, with my just two recent experience, one with the Trumpite and one with the Republican, uh, where they both seemed pretty damn human. And not perfect. I'm not saying they're perfect, and I'm not saying I'm perfect. We're just humans with all our flaws and stuff. But having that recent experience um, kind of changed the way that I looked at the whole situation. And I wondered if either of them, aside from looking good and making their arguments and ALC is really damn good at making her arguments but was there any ground covered in uniting and you know becoming more human and making the world a better place I, I don't I don't really think so so I think we somehow to learn some of this Buddhist stuff and you can call it anything you want to but growing up um, is about learning you know the priority of seeing uh, the other person in their glory and in their shame and seeing them with kindness and lack of judgment and that's not uh, I don't find that easy to do, but I do think in as much as I can do that, I'll be a better person and the world will be a better place. I hope uh, this is some benefit to you. It helps me. I'm kind of sorry if it did not help you. Um, and I, I think if you think about it, it will help you. But this is the ancient Texan, uh, hoping that you have a good weekend and thanks for dropping by. Namaste. This is the ancient Texan and Earthling, hoping we all can learn to live and play well together on the small and delicate planet we call home. May we all honor the sacred and our fellow inhabitants. Namaste.